Hi, everybody. Today, I want to talk about um, the biblical backing for emotions as a symptom to something going on in your heart. So previously, I talked about the last psychology, I think, as well, um, nonviolent communication. You know, Marshall Rosenberg, he talks about nine basic needs. And if those needs are not met, if they're satisfied, then you um, you feel pleasure, comfort, happy, restful. Um, but if you don't feel those needs, if they're not satisfied, then you feel anxious and um, maybe not comfortable. And you know, some of those nine basic needs that Marshall Rosenberg talks about is the idea of sustenance. You know, if people have heard of Maslow's hierarchy of needs, so like food. Uh, this is just a different version of that. I, I like nine nonviolent communication um, because it doesn't put a hierarchy on it, but it just says that if some of these needs are unfulfilled, so. Um, food, of course, um, shelter, um, even the idea of connection, um, autonomy. So you can look that as well up. And um, those are some nine. Oh, by the way, if those of you watching on video, you'll see I have a guest today. So this is my daughter. She's six months old. Serenity. Want to say hi? Oh, she can't talk yet. Sorry. Okay. So. Um, what I like to do is talk on the biblical version of where we find this in the Bible of how emotionals are a symptom of a heart. So if we read into Matthew 13, 4 through 9, um, everyone knows the, the parables of the four soil. Um, it's a very popular one of the first parables that Jesus talks on. And he basically, I'll read the word for you guys. So. Um, um, as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground, where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up, since they had no depth of soil. And then the sun rose, and they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on the ground, fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some 60, 60 some 30. It's Matthew 13, 4 through 8. And then later on, Matthew 13, 18 through 23, he actually explains the parable uh, in an interpretation to his disciples because his disciples says, we don't get what you're trying to say here. So he says this then, hear then the parable of the soil. When anybody hears a word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been shown, sown in this heart. This what was sown along the path. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And then tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word. Immediately he falls away. As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. As for what was shown, sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields. In one case, a hundredfold, another 60, and another 30. So that's Matthew 13, 18 through 23. And so um, then we ask, okay, what are the fruits? What happens when you have the seed lads in the good soil? If you guys know how gardening works or just the natural order of things, is that when seed is planted into the ground, into good soil, it, it bears a, uh, a tree, and then the tree uh, has fruits that um, that could be like an apple tree or something like that. And we learn in Galatians 5 what those fruits of the flesh and the fruits of the spirit are. So 
Galatians 5, 18, 21 says, now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. And then what are the fruits of the Spirit? Galatians 5, 22 to 23 says that the fruit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. So, and this is not anything special than anything new. Uh, a lot of people have done sermons on these. It talks about how the fruits of the Spirit um, is from a condition of the heart. Those that um, are watching on video i am going to share a nice little picture of what i mean here you'll see that um emotions if there are fruit and they're hanging from a tree and the tree is landed and planted in soil which is the heart so this idea of trying to control your emotions is really not the right way of understanding what emotions are meant they are a symptom or the result of what has happened in your heart whether you received um, good information or um, something that is going on in your heart where you are troubled. And I like to show a couple ways of going about and, you know, when one sense of evidence and one data point shows one way, but you have two data points at a different perspective can give you a more accurate view, three, four. So when multiple sciences, psychology, and theology kind of points to this idea of, uh, of a, a certain thing that validates each other. It makes this argument a little bit stronger. So I like to use these biblical words um, to show people, or also my understanding, that emotions were never meant to just um, be controlled. You can't. It's like going back and say, you know, in the Bible it says, do not be jealous or do not be angry. And people are like, oh man, I'm so angry. How come I'm getting so angry? I need to stop being angry. And it's not, it's the wrong, and you try to control your emotions, but your emotions and C.S. Lewis talks about it in Four Loves is that these, these emotions are, 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 are part of love. Like you have to feel these emotions because if you try to disconnect for yourself from emotion, emotion, then you're never ever going to really experience love. You're never going to experience the depth and excitement of life. So the right way of looking at emotions, once again, and emphasize is that it's a pathway. It's a, it's a, it's a symptom. It is a signal of something going on in your heart. And the best way to do this and know yourself is to ask, why am I feeling anger? Why am I feeling jealousy? I'll give you an example. I just happened just yesterday, the other day, I was feeling anxious and rushed because I had to apply for a visa in downtown, to the downtown city. And if you've ever applied for a visa or have to do any sort of application with the government before, or any type of government, it's a big headache because depending on who you're working with and the standards are not all, you know, there's interpretations on principles. So you read uh, on the website what's required, but then you read reviews on people saying, oh, this worker wouldn't accept it and reject it. Like, if, let's say you have something wrong in your application. The worker can do a couple things. They can either handwrite, let you change it and handwrite it. But some people are like, you have to print the whole thing out and you have to do it all over again. And it's a big hassle. It's in, I've done this like three or four times for different countries and there's no actual real standard. Um, and people have different rules on how to handle this. And so I had all these questions and I feel anxiety. I felt, um, I felt like 
there's so many question marks that if we try to do all this work and then, you know, it takes an hour for me to drive into the city and then to wait there for one or two hours, find parking. Um, even um, if we get there early, but we don't get, there's a long line, they might not call us until after lunch, they take a lunch break and they close at two 30. And if you don't have all that stuff done, you have to come back there again. And I'm somebody, and I understand is that the reason I was feeling anxious uh, is because um, I don't want to waste time. I like to be efficient with my time and I want to have other things I want to do throughout my life. And I feel like driving down to the city, doing all that stuff is a huge waste of time if I don't get it right in the first shot. And there's also probably an aspect of performance. Like I'm stuck. I give this example, like preparing for a test. I've taken two or three hours printing out my photo IDs. Any side duplicate copies in case the, the, the worker employee um, wants it. It's different than what's said on the website. Um, for instance, another example that, that we didn't know and weren't prepared for is the website my wife only has a green card less than two years because we've been married less than two years. And so because it's not a 10 year green card, they said that she couldn't apply for our child to uh, have a visa. And there's no way that any of the websites uh, indicate that. And they said, you have to actually download a Chinese app and upload all that information up there. And then they'll send you the uh, visa to the baby through the mail. Um, which is could be a lot easier, but if I was going there by myself, if I didn't have my wife there, I have no idea what this app is. I have no idea what this worker is talking about. Another one is um, you have to have an invitation letter, a letter to be able to go into the country. That's nothing new. Like, But what was understood clearly is my wife is still Chinese. And so you know, there's one way of interpreting this is that she can invite us back to China. The other way to interpret this is that because she doesn't live in China right now, she lives in the United States, that she cannot be the person inviting us to China to apply for the visa. It has to be somebody living in there. So we had to prepare for both. We had an invitation letter originally with my wife. As my wife did some more research, she said, you know what? It's possible that the worker won't allow me to invite us back to China. And that has to be her mother because she's, her mother still lives in China. So we had to print a whole new invitation letter and um, make copies of the ID card for her mom just in case the worker said this is this invitation is not uh, sufficient. And guess what? When we went to the, the, the window, the worker looked at the invitation letter written from my wife and says, hey, are you living in China? She said, no, then you can't invite us back. And so we had to say, okay, well, at least we have another invitation letter by her mother that, and that's copied that would allow us to uh, get approved for a visa. If we didn't have this second visa invitation letter, um, then we could have been rejected. And so there would have been three hours wasted uh, that I would have to go back to the the consulate again. So these are the kind of things you have to think through and all these different options for me that I'm always thinking about, like, what if they ask this? What if they ask that? And trying to make sure that I have all my information right in case they might, uh, so I don't get rejected for a visa. And that's my personality but I was feeling anxious and I was feeling stressed. And it goes back to also probably by looking into it, like I don't really believe that, that there is a, 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 there's a responsibility both in co-laboring with God. Like I believe God ordains all things still and that he can do cause all things, but there's also a part where we have responsibility of what we prepare and what we do. So, and I'm afraid sometimes that I might not be prepared for something that, um, that, could come up in a test or performance. So it goes back to my performance anxiety. Anyways, all that to say is 
this stuff is a continual process. Your emotions and self-awareness and EQ is all a continual process. I don't, don't think anybody ever says I'm wholly and fully made, but this is the sanctification process in the Christian life. This is what many, I believe, Christians fail to realize is that they feel like they have to move and mature in this life, but they don't know what it actually means to be sanctified. It's a continual process of learning to trust in God and not to trust in your own means, yet also learn how to co-labor with them, but also understand how he's made you. Each person is fearfully and wonderfully made. So want to show that real quick one and... Um, We'll move on to maybe the next topic and talk about the process of sanctification. All right. Thank you.